it was kind of, you know, it was neat, but it was just like, we pulled up at this farm and mom's like, oh, wow, look. And everywhere you looked, there were kittens staring at you. Oh, that's kind of creepy. It was, it was. And there were some little kittens and we were like, no, they're too little. But we ended up with one of the littlest ones because it was the only female we could find that didn't try to take our face off. Oh, lovely. Yeah. The other one that we, we thought could be a female was mean as heck. Too little as in too young or too small? Too young. She's probably, they were going to sell them that young? Well, they're barn cats. He didn't sell them to me. He, he gave me 10 pounds of bacon and a kitten. Oh. <laughs> Here, have a kitten and some bacon. <laughs> yeah, he, he thought they were between five and nine weeks old, depending on the litter. Mm. So we ended up with a, a pretty young one. But like I said, it was the only one we could find that was a girl. And Alex is okay with her? No, Alex hides behind the TV. <laughs> oh, she's scary. <laughs> she is. She's so funny. Because she doesn't like Bonnie. Bonnie comes in and she goes. <sighs> and Bonnie's like, okay, I'll leave you alone. But I did get him nose to nose the other day and she didn't hiss until afterwards. So that worked out. And does she try and hiss at Alex or does she just ignore him? Alex hisses at her. She oh. would. She would like Alex. But Alex wants nothing to do with her, and he's being very needy. I was trying to weed today, and I I had a, a digger, and I'd dig, and I'd sit down the digger so I could pull the weeds that I just loosened, and he'd come and lay down on top of all my weeds and roll over on his back and just be in the way. <laughs> and so I'd pet him, and then he'd get mad at me because I was petting him, and he was just like, and I knew he was going to hurt me, so then I had to just sit there and wait for him to go away. He was he was in a mood. I'm surprised he hasn't come in to see us yet tonight because he's he's feeling very vulnerable because he knows we have the new kitten, so he wants he wants to be hanging out. He slept with me last night. Mm. Poor guy. I know. He misses his friend. He misses his friend, and if he'd give the kitten a chance, then I think they'd be great friends. But yet. Yeah, it's a little too soon for him, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, do we have other stories of the week, or do we want to start the story of the podcast? It's hot. <clears throat> Actually, mm -hmm. it's humid. It's not hot. And it's, uh, well, it wouldn't be so bad if the temperature differential between going upstairs and downstairs weren't like 10 degrees, and then going outside like 10 degrees hotter than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, we do that I'm cold during the downstairs, day. and and then I have to take off my sweater and and put it back on when I go downstairs and change into shorts when I go outside. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I just wore my windbreaker this morning, and I was chilly. Oh my god! Going to work and then coming back from work, it was fine because it always does that. So I should have taken my sweater along with me and left it at work or something. Mm -hmm. Of course, then I wouldn't have it mm. for tomorrow morning. It's an awkward stage of weather at the moment. <laughs> yeah, we actually had <laughs> rain. That, it's nice. The other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it rained the mm. night. We for a while. No, we've been having 90 degrees, 90 degree days, which is Oof. warm for us. It sounds awful. Yeah, the record mm -hmm. is... I do not want 90-degree days. No. We're getting back to them in a couple of minutes, or a couple of days. We had two days of rain, and then starting tomorrow, or the next day, it's supposed to be 
90. I like it when it's somewhere around 70 to 85 or so mm-hmm. in there, at least during the day. I like it cooler at night because otherwise I can't sleep. But That's very true. That's the problem with going to work in the morning is it's just that I'm too early and it's still cool from being overnight. Yeah. They should let me come to work at nine and I'd be fine. <laughs> you tell him that. <laughs> oh, well. I have been called for jury duty in, in a week. Yeah. And I had to call the unemployment or the employment office today to find out what exactly my responsibilities for that are. Yeah. If I have to claim the the money and does it count as me still looking for a job and all of that stuff. So, What did they say? They said, I don't have to claim it. I still have to look for and a job. That, that would be sad if you if you had to. Yeah. And I'm not allowed to turn down a job or an interview. But uh. most people, if they call you for an interview, you can say to them, hey, I have jury duty this day. Can we do it the next day? And they'll say yes. So I'm sure. That should be fine. Although, on the other hand, the other problem with jury duty was I never knew if I was going to come back or not. Until the end of the day, mm-hmm. it was always, oh, you know, so-and-so, we don't need you tomorrow. So-and-so, stay. And it was just like, can can we find out about this, like, before? Yeah. They said it would, I would probably, I have jury duty for a month, but I would probably only be called three days. You have so. a whole month? They only gave us a week. No, we have a whole month. Oh, I'm sorry. Three days in a month. It's not a big deal. Mm. So, we'll see what mm. happens. They may not even like me. They may kick me out right away. Who knows? Yeah. A lot of times if they find out I'm a police officer's daughter, they don't like me. So we'll see. Yeah. So we're going to finish A Keen Observer tonight. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. I listened to the end of it this morning while I was pulling weeds and petting the cat. <laughs> and then, are you listening to the new critical hit, Scott? Mm-hmm. I have been. I liked today because we had Matthew back. Mm-hmm. He's not Torque, but... <laughs> no, it's true. They've also sorted out their audio issues that they were having for the first session. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she fuzzed out on them once the, today, but it wasn't too bad. Yeah, I listened to that on Saturday. I was listening to The Martian. Good book, mm-hmm. by the way. If anybody's looking for a good book, read it before the movie comes out in October. I've got it on my list. It should come soon. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I read it in two days. I've been on a two-day jag. I got Armada done in two days, The Martian done in two days, and The Girl on a Train done in two days. I need to update that on my Goodreads. Girl Hmm. on a Train. I can't tell if I've that sounds familiar or not. It was a good story, but I was listening to it. Uh Uh-huh. And it has it's told by three different three different perspectives, three different women's perspectives. And I didn't get that at first on the audio. I missed Uh. what was going on. So I was really confused for the first like 50 chapters. And the chapters are like three to seven minutes each. Okay. They're real short chapters because I was listening to it on the audio book. So once I got it figured out, and they actually say the person's name before they start talking. But if you're not paying close attention to it, you miss that. And then you don't know what's going on. Ah. So, but it was good. Dang it, Barnes and Noble! What are you doing? <laughs> As we look for a book, uh, books are good. Mm-hmm. I think I've read this, but I finished Armada yesterday. Did you? Because I stayed up until four the night before. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You and 
Bob. Mm -hmm. No, I haven't read it. I think it's fairly new out. Okay. Yeah, I just bought it because it was I was going to be 19th on the list from my library, so for Amada. Yeah. It so I ordered the hardback and got that in 2 days instead. Oh my. And it comes with a mixtape list at the back. I don't know if they do that for the audio version. No, I didn't hear that or I didn't pay attention at the very end of it, so mm. it might be there, but They have a a photocopy of the the one of those slide-in things they used to have with mm-hmm. cassettes where it had like A, B, and then the lines and stuff. Right. So you could write stuff on. And supposedly his dad's handwriting with all the songs on it. Oh, and fun. So you can, you can make up the Raid the Arcade mix if you wish. <laughs> thought about doing it on YouTube. I still might. Yeah, that would be cool. Some of the songs I haven't heard of, but some of them are familiar. Or at least I've heard of the band or whatever. Like, I don't know what any of the Pink Floyd songs sound like, but I know they exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think I have my Kindle in here, so I can't look it up. I think it's still on the dining room table. I can tell I've been pulling weeds. I always get sore when I'm pulling weeds. Yeah. That's no good. Yeah. I that would be fun. That would be a lot my of last fun. Question too. I'm, I'm typing it. Fourth Friday, April 1st. Here's episode 231 of Potterfic Weekly. I would also like to say happy birthday to our favorite twin fools, Fred and George Weasley. Very awesome fun. Very awesome fun. That's us, man. There's something going on. I'm not Microsoft. <laughs> I wasn't snoring, was I? How about Sherbert Levin? If I start snoring, let me know. Never mind. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Uh, we're just having adventures. Yep. Adventures. adventures are good. Good girl. Ooh, we're evil. <laughs> How's that go again? Come on. <laughs> 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 that is snoring. Oh, I snorted so much yesterday. It was unreal. <laughs> same snake time, same snake channel. It's all snake time. Of course, I need to learn how to have a filter on my mouth. Oh, Holy shit! Yes, Scott. They're there to talk about the sector. They're gonna worry about homework later. I swear, yeah. I read them for the stories. <laughs> Sex and snow gags. Awkward. I'm so good at nightmares. You always laugh before the end. I ought to think we please where the story never ends. Welcome to Potterfic Weekly, everyone, the original podcast in the Potterfic Weekly family of podcasts. I'm Scott. I'm Sue. And I'm Mooney. And today we are doing our last episode on A Keen Observer by Deep Down Slytherin. We're covering chapters 26 through 31, which are the last chapters. Mm-hmm. This is a story about Andromeda's years at Hogwarts. And in this last one, I think we're on her last year. Yes. If you don't know that already, or if you're just 
coming across these and don't know what's going on, you probably want to go back about four podcasts where we started or just go read the fic. <laughs> yes. So we start off with chapter 26, which is called Three Words, hmm. which was apparently really hard to write, even though it's fluff. And of course, the three words are, I love you. Mm-hmm. An easy enough phrase to say once you get used to actually saying it, but it's just weird for Andy because they don't do that. No. Yeah. They have their own ways of professing love to each other, and their parents don't really seem to do it at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, black family trust blacks trusted family and believed in blood and power. And if you have love, you're giving away the power. So mm. we don't do that. That's a weakness. And she gets a note from Sirius. She wants he wants her to meet him at the Leaky Cauldron at noon because something's important and needs he, he needs her help. <laughs> Of course he does. And it turns out he needs help furnishing his apartment that he's bought and says, Hey, girls are good at that stuff. Andy's a girl. <laughs> <laughs> well spotted, serious. <laughs> and Andromeda's like, oh, that was very I'm amusing. not very good at that stuff. But fortunately, Sirius actually has a fairly good sense of style. She just has to tell him when things clash completely. Mm-hmm. I can't even do out. that. Well, if it's egregious, yes, I can do it. But yep. other than yeah, that, not well, very well. You have slightly less sight than some people, so there's that also. Probably doesn't help. I'm not colorblind, thank you. <laughs> well, yes, but, you know. I guess if things are fuzzy, you could still compare the colors anyway. He just doesn't want it like Grimald Place, which means no silver and no snakes. <laughs> That'll mm-hmm. be easy. So they end up with a lot of red and blonde wood and things, I expect. So they basically, so, basically make it an apartment version of Gryffindor Tower. Mm-hmm. Do witches and wizards have flats? Like, are there flats that are strictly reserved for magical people? Or are there, like, muggles living next to wizards who have, like, I don't know, an owl? Depends on where something. you live, I suppose. Yeah, you know there are some in Diagon Alley, because the twins have one. Yeah. Well, they, uh, don't they live above shop? Yeah. I think so, yeah. So it's basically a a little area above their shop. And we don't know where Mr. Ollivander lives. I would imagine he lives close to his shop, too. We know that Hogsmeade is the only all-wizard village, so there's probably flats and little houses and things there as well as bigger houses. Mm-hmm. But there must be other places that wizards and witches live as well. Well, if you look at... Even the the book version of Grimald Place, it's nestled between two muggle buildings. That's true. And it's in the middle of London. Yeah. So I would say that it just depends. And that if it's a magical place that's in a muggle area, then there are safeguards to put around it, you know, charms or whatever. Mm-hmm. To make it less noticeable. Probably. That's true. But good question. I mean, because like with we know, like the leaky cauldron is in the middle of a London street, and nobody right, can but see it. Can't see it. Mm-hmm. But like with Godric's Hollow, I mean, they had the Fidelius, mm-hmm. which made it so you could still see the house, but not the people in it. So were there like Muggles running around, being like, "Where the heck do these people come from?" You know, we see them like out in the street, but I don't know. I guess it's kind of like. The platform nine and three quarters, where you know 
the the muggles just don't seem to notice the people going through the wall into the platform. Which is yeah. really scary. And no yeah. one seems to care that all these 11-year-olds are wheeling owls around and things. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. There has to be notice-me-not charms all over that stuff. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Somebody mm-hmm. else's problem field to <laughs> borrow from another <laughs> fandom. And if you go look on before right now, oh, excuse me, I have the yawns all of a sudden. I just posted a t-shirt that's Harry, young Harry Potter pushing his trolley through the TARDIS door, which is marked <laughs> nine and three quarters. Mm-hmm. I would read that book. Yeah, me too. I read a really fun Doctor Who, Calvin and Hobbes crossover not too long ago. That's a oh, new yeah. one. Yeah, it was short, but it was cute. I've read a few good Calvin and Hobbes things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seems like there was a Harry Potter one or something that I read just because of Calvin. Because Calvin's named for Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, I read a straight uh, Calvin one that was pretty good about, you know, what happens to Calvin after he's grown up. The next time that he sees Hobbes after he's stopped seeing him for some years and mm-hmm. things like that. I actually read it out. I don't know if I still have the file anymore, but. But anyway, they have a good time finding Mm -hmm. furniture and things for Sirius's place. And it looks like it is in a muggle area or, well, it doesn't specifically say that his, the neighbor girl who seems to have a crush on him is a witch or a muggle, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't be surprised if she was muggle. Mm -hmm. And Andromeda just glares at her to make her go away. So (laughs) Marlene can have a clear field. Yeah. He asks about Narcissa, the ice princess. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's, that's not very nice. You know, she's not like that. And he says, right. Well, she keeps pretending to be for Lucius's benefit. And the longer it goes on, the more true it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he says that he's sexy when he's insightful. And how's your love life, darling? None of your business. <laughs> what? Love life? What are you talking about? I don't have a. What? <laughs> She's a little jumpy around this topic. Yeah. And he, you know, and he talks to her about Bella. And, you know, do you really think Bella's going to make an exception to everything she believes in passionately because it's you? What are you going to do about this? Because, yeah, Bella's not going to. She's not going to approve of this any way, shape, or form. No, it is not within her worldview. And she wants to know if he regrets running away from the family. And And he he says, well, it's tough. And, you know, I miss certain things. And he almost says, she thinks he almost says that he misses Reg, which is probably Mm -hmm. true. And, you know, it it was nice just being able to say, you know, I'm Sirius Black and it's one of those people. (laughs) Not, you know, Sirius Black. Oh, that's the weird one that ran off to live with the Potters. Right. um, Or whatever. It was something that he had to do because he could tell that nothing he was going to do was going to change their minds. Mm-hmm. And this just makes everything that happened to Regulus all the all the worse. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. And then we shift to picking out clothing rather than furniture. Mm-hmm. Narcissa is having a tough time figuring out her the best possible dress rubs for her 16th ball. Right. Pink. Her ball when she's 16 years old, coming out party. Pink. <laughs> yeah. And, and she doesn't want to go with pink because that was the one that Bella had to wear when she was 13. And it would actually work for Narcissa, but she thinks it's too young looking. Right. 
Yeah, she's not into this at all. And she's really pretty in the jewel, in the, not the jewel, the pastels. She can't wear the jewels. And so she's trying to put on a jewel-colored dress robe, and it's not working for her. I bet she probably could. And still pull it off fairly well, but she is a little bit pale for them, I guess. Yeah. So, as you know, blonde goes with a number of things. It's just what's going to show her off to best advantage, and they decide on a sort of shimmery silver-blue thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she flings flings down the robes in frustration and says, I look dreadful in everything! Oh, shut and up. they're like, yeah, no, you don't. You're beautiful. <laughs> Which was what she wanted to hear, of course. Of course. <sighs> she still hasn't quite figured it out, but eventually they do come up with this floaty blue and silver thing that changes colors depending on the lighting and stuff like that. Oh, sounds pretty. Mm-hmm. The house is, you know, particularly lovely. There's candles and flowers and, or you know, orchids and chandeliers. And Narcissa is glowing. And <laughs> all is good. Yes. Hadrian comes in a little bit late and tries to look inconspicuous. <laughs> good luck And he points out to him that there's lipstick on his collar. <laughs> And fixes it for him. (laughs) Says, obviously, your evening is more interesting than mine. (laughs) Yeah. Because she's been sitting there with her mother trying to throw her at every available pureblood man between 14 and 50. Yeah. And so she wants to know if she should slap him or something just for effect, just because her dad was giving him evil looks because, (laughs) you know, he thinks he's cheating on her. And he's, you know, he tells her that he knows that she has a boyfriend and he'd rather have you dance with me than someone who's trying to put the moves on you. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All her friends are too uh, perceptive for her own good. Mm hmm. And then he lets Kaylian cut in, which he would rather he didn't. He says, you know, you should be nice to me. I have connections. (laughs) Yeah. Mm, the next time I want a favor from a 10-year-old, I'll be fine. He, he says, I'm actually 14, and by the way, I've heard some things. About <laughs> you. Mm, and apparently, her mother has decided that Marius Flint would be a good match for her. Because he's related, but far enough back that it's uh, not going to be a problem, and very pure. And uh, Fourth or fifth cousins, I think, if I recall the tree correctly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's... Only about five years older, not, you know, some 80-year-old abusive monster. So that's yeah. good. Well, no, age doesn't necessarily just horrible, dictate that. Yeah, it says Phineas Nigellus had married a Flint girl. So back quite a ways. but Ursula Flint, I believe. Wow. Don't ask. And her father <laughs> looked very confused. And went, what, is she graduating? Oh, she still has a year. But, you know, they're trying to work things out. Because yeah. She's Bella and Narcissa have both said, oh, that's the one, and I'm going with that guy. And she hasn't done that. I am so glad my parents aren't the kind of oblivious idiots these two are. Yeah, these two have no clue. Because children in the purebud world are seen and not heard and raised by house elves. Thank you very much. They can well, come like- out for the balls and to be shown and off, tea. and then they need to be put away until the next time they're 
needed to be dusted off and brought back out. Well, it's like children are terribly messy things, you know. Lady Violet and oh, what's her name? Matthew Crawley's mother, Mrs. Crawley. Mrs. Crawley talking about you know being involved with their kids, and Lady Violet is like, "Oh, were you terribly surprised that I was involved in your child? You know, with my children?" And Mrs. Crawley's like, "Yeah, were you?" And she's like, "Oh, yes, I saw them every day for an hour." And she and Mrs. Crawley's just like, "What? That's it?" She's like, "Yes, it was extremely exhausting. It was an hour every day." <laughs> yeah, That's so terribly involved you were. They have nannies. So Andy's turned seventeen over the holidays, so she's going to the ministry to take her operation test. And father was pleased with her because she passed on her first try. <laughs> Unlike Charlie, who operated on top of some poor deer doing your shopping. Mm-hmm. And she kind of gets cheeky with her father because they go out to a restaurant afterwards and he tells her that they must consider her future. And she's like, I would never have guessed with my mother throwing me at every man under 60. And then she's like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But her father kind of likes her cheekiness. So she yes, gets away he'd with like it. He'd like her much better if she was a boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And so she sort of raises the point that she would like to be a healer. And although her father appreciates her ideas, uh, St. Mungo's is just too free with muggles to, you know, would hardly, be having that. hardly do for a pureblood woman to be exposed to that kind of degenerates and mudbloods. Well, that's that. Mm-hmm. And then we go to driving lessons. <laughs> Slow down, love, the brake. No, that's the accelerator, the other one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ted, so Ted has borrowed his sister's car because she's out of town. Oh, dear. And Andy is not all excited about this, and Ted doesn't understand why, but Hugh Bolstrode had once seen a muggle film where all the cars crashed spectacularly and burst into flames, and he told everybody about it. So all of the Slytherins are terrified of cars. (laughs) Oh, boy. Speaking Uh, of driving, mm -hmm. so far as I understand how pushing the pedals go, you use one foot for both. Why can't you use both feet? Mm. You can in some cases. But you just, it's, if your brain has to control both feet, you're you're liable to get yourself into trouble. Why? Well, because, all right, so if you're driving and you have your foot on the accelerator and you have your foot on the brake. Yeah. Then you could be pushing on both at the same time and that's causing wear and tear. Whereas if you are just using one foot, you have to take your foot completely off of one to put it on the other. Yeah, but that takes time. What if you have to, like, slam on the brakes and stuff? But if you, your tendency would be, if you're slamming on the brakes, your tendency would be for both feet to slam down at once, and then you're slamming on the brake and the accelerator at the same time. I suppose so. Yeah. And And controls are simpler. Yeah, there you go. If only. Yeah. I could probably do foot controls if they switched them around, but they're worried that my right foot is not uh, quick enough. Mm-hmm. Do they switch? Like, if you go to Europe, are the things backwards? 
I have no I idea. I don't know. I don't think so. I know the steering wheel and all is on the other side of the car, but I think the gas and brake pedals are still in the same. It seems like they would be the same orientation. So, Scott, if you, as long as you're doing it, I see no reason why you couldn't drive with your left foot and not your right foot. You just have to tuck your right foot underneath you so that it's out of the way. Yeah. But you could conceivably drive with your left foot. Yeah. Possibly. I'd have to learn how. You'd have to practice with it because you need to. Well, you'd have to practice with it anyhow. That's true. Yeah. At this point, I'd have to learn how to do the hand controls again anyway because it's been years. Yeah. I have to do that sometime just so I can say I know. I don't know. So does your your scooter then it has um, handbrakes? Not, I guess most motorcycles and stuff would have handbrakes. Not My scooter is a little bit different. It's actually, it's got sort of a lever it pivots in the center like if you squeeze if you press it forward on the left side if you press it forward on the right side it goes forward and the and goes back on the left if mm-hmm. you press it forward on the left side it goes backwards but you could also like i can pull it backwards towards me on the right side and it will also go backwards because mm-hmm. it's the same thing like they're they're part of Attached. one piece right that swivels back and forth it's just that the the two prongs come out next to the handlebars basically that makes sense yeah i may be able to find you a picture of the way it works it's probably easier to look at than explain (laughs) it's like the tractor that you put your foot on it and if you push down with your toe you go forwards and if you push down with your heel you go backwards Mm -hmm. that kind of thing Mm. i need to remember to do that so, but Andy's learning how to drive a car mm-hmm. and she kind of likes it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she thinks she's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, or possibly by the time she's writing this, she is now good and isn't in the bit that we're seeing narrated. Mm-hmm. Um, Ted apparently just holds on to the memories of this first bit because he always describes it as, oh, what's the phrase here? Bloody uh, insane. Yes. Not many people would accept, expect that I'm an excellent driver. Ted would probably not use the term excellent, and in fact tends to go with bloody insane, <laughs> which he really ought to reconsider as it doesn't make him look like a very good teacher. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but she's having a fun time and wasn't really expecting to enjoy it as much as she is. And they, they've been kind of cruising around in London and different things, and right now they're on a sort of a picnic they're laying on a blanket on the grass on a perfect summer day and they start talking about school and she has her hair braided and he pulls it out and she wants to know why he's so fascinated by her hair all the time Mm -hmm. and he says that he doesn't like not being able to talk to her and not being able to touch her but he figures that if his her family wasn't the way they were and if it wasn't for her parents and Bella and Narcissa and Sirius, she would be a totally different person. And she says, you're strange, Ted. He's and, right, though. Yeah. And why Why are you doing all this drama? And he says, because I love you. And she stops breathing for a whole second. And She's a bit shocked. Because mm-hmm. nobody he, has said that to her before. <laughs> nope. So then he pulls her down and snogs her. That works. And she gets home around 10. And Bella's, I think mom's taking the kitten for a walk because she's outside talking. (laughs) 
the bell the door to Bella's room is open and she can hear voices so she kind of wanders in and Bella gives her a bad time and here comes a kitten. Oh, Andy's so- coming home late. Mm-hmm. And implies that she's been with the Hufflepuff, Hufflepuff Quidditch team. <laughs> Imply nothing. She says it. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. And I don't mind telling you. Bella I'm tells exhausted. her not to be vulgar. Mm-hmm. You started it. Mm-hmm. Well, your shirt's inside out, Andy. Ah, must have been that way all day. Andy's getting better at lying. Oh, that one just shame. worked very well. Then Bella casually runs her hand through her hair, and there is a giant diamond on it. Yes, a very large diamond. And... And they've decided to get engaged before she goes off to Europe, just to be you know, certain about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. She's going to wander around Greece and various different places that she can find interesting dark magic stuff. Of course she is. Bella's engaged and they're giving Andy a hard time about being out a lot. And she says, you know, pot kettle. (laughs) Basically. But she says, you know, mom's trying to get me married off to Marcus Flint. So I'm trying to sow my wild oats. And that makes Bella happy. Yes, because that was her idea. And this is, Marius Flint, presumably some relative of Marcus's, mm-hmm. but Marcus doesn't exist yet. No. So then we get a letter from Bella. Dear Andy, darling, I wish you were here instead of stuck in Hogwarts. You would love mm-hmm. Paris. It's just your sort of place. Mm-hmm. You'll probably be more interested in all the museums and things, but, you know, eh, the history is okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Mrs. Lestrange has been here, and she's a terrible gossip. And she started giving uh, helpful and very unsubtle tips on being a better wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I I miss you, and don't do anything I wouldn't do. Yeah, right. <laughs> what wouldn't you do? And then we have... hang around with Ted, probably. Mm-hmm. And then we have James Potter. You are the most annoying, impossible, arrogant boy I have ever had the misfortune to meet. Oh, who could so, that possibly be? Apparently, we're on the train. <laughs> and Lily is storming into the compartment. Mm-hmm. Yes. And James apparently is unperturbed by her mm-hmm. name-calling. They've apparently started having fun with their fights instead of actually fighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Sirius is like, it's our seventh year, and we are just going to bully and intimidate the younger and weaker students, because that's what it's what being a seventh year is for. Oh, serious. And of course, Lily doesn't like that either. And she's worried that she's going to have problems with the Slytherins because they might be planning a revolt, and they're not going to listen to her. Mm-mm. Because Andy, as Andy says, not only is she a Gryffindor and a Muggleborn, she also is exactly opposite of everything they think about Muggleborns being, you know, beautiful and talented and actually better than many of them. <laughs> uh, it's just not the way the world is supposed to work. No, of course not. So, the... Uh, and we have a little moment where Andy looks down at Bella's letter and then puts it away and moves closer to Ted. And uh-huh. That's where things are going. Yep. Um, and then, uh, and we have a new defense teacher because uh, Professor Summers has apparently resigned, possibly kicked out by some of the purebloods. <laughs> they didn't like. They didn't like that her sentences or anything like that. Or no, some of the way, some of the was things it, she was saying apparently. Yeah, and 
Rabastan says good riddance, and Andy says you just don't like her because she knocked you out in the first day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he says, watch it, Andromeda. You know Bella isn't here to protect you anymore. And she looks at him and, you know, in such a way that it scares him. And she says, mm-hmm. I don't need Bella to protect me. And seventh year is apparently a mountain of homework. Mm-hmm. Of course. And they don't really know anything about their new defense teacher, even though they've had two weeks of classes. He's a guy named McGarrick, and he seems to be a bit like Snape. Mm-hmm. He just sort of snarls the instructions and asks questions there of everybody, and is not very likable, but he does seem to be fair as far as the grading goes, so mm-hmm. yeah, not entirely like Snape. And then Ted's sitting behind her in Transfiguration, and they're passing notes back and forth, which is really mm-hmm. fun because you can do it pretty sneakily with magic. Mm-hmm. And And they're cute, you know. Miss Black, you seem to be unable to look at me. I know I'm in irresistible, but you ought to be paying attention. Mm-hmm. Because he's just been staring at the back of her head the whole time, and she can feel him doing this and keeps glancing back at him. And then every time she looks at him, he's like, oh, what? Who me? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing at all. Uh, and so then he starts sending these notes, and he sends them back and says, leave me alone. I know I'm too hot to ignore, but transfiguration is very important. Vital to the future of a young witch. Really, despite my distracting presence, you must pay attention. <laughs> she says, Dad, you're flirting with yourself. That's just sad. <laughs> <laughs> and they keep this up for a while. Marlene notices. Mm-hmm. And McGonagall sort of looks at them, but they've managed to not have them in motion at that point. But then it keeps going, and McGonagall does eventually catch them. Yeah. Because this is not the class where you want to be doing that. No. No. Not with Minerva around. And so she has to stay after class. And Ted wants to stay and help, but she says no. Mm-hmm. And the last note that uh, McGonagall picks up is, Miss Black, I will assume that is a code, which means, yes, Ted, I would love to meet you after Herbology, because you're so sexy, you're all I can think about. Sincerely, Ted Tuggs. <laughs> If she said, I'm not daydreaming about you, you wish. So, <laughs> Minerva's like, aren't McGonagall you a little says, too old to be passing notes in class? And she lets her off with a warning. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see this again. I expect your full attention. And Andromeda's like, I don't have detention? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the first time I've had to discipline you for anything. I think you can probably go for now. <laughs> yep. But mm-hmm. when she meets up with Tonks, she says... That she has a whole month of Saturdays. And he says, I'll go and tell her it was all my fault. Kind of gets him back for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I was teasing. She let me off. And McGonagall is wondering that she's not in Gryffindor because she's being brave enough to go out with Ted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's had a free hour while she was in Herbology. And he's looking really troubled. Mm-hmm. And Because there's a family... A Muggle family who was killed, and their son had recently married a witch. Mm-hmm. And he sort of started, this has started him thinking about his own family, because he never really thought about that. Mm-hmm. Like, he's involved in things, and he's fine with that, but he doesn't want them involved just because he exists. Right. And he's, you know, he talks about getting the the Hogwarts letter, and, you know, he's always, you just wonder about all these things that happened and then you get this letter and 
and it explains so much and you're just like, whoa, this is so unbelievable. And she asked him if he would have not come if he'd known all of this. And he's like, you cannot go. <laughs> and she says, yeah, but usually those people kind of go crazy because they don't know how to control their magic. You can't take on all of this hate and, or you can't take on responsibility <clears throat> for all of this hate. Mm-hmm. And he kind of gets upset and walks out. Mm-hmm. And then we change to her letter back to Bella. Poor Ted. Yeah. Yeah. He decides he needs to be alone for a while. And Andy has worked out how to write her letter that sounds normal and natural and not like there's anything else she's thinking about. Yeah. He says, you know, you love, you just love Paris because it's hundreds of miles from mother and father and you get to do whatever you want. <laughs> and thank you for the course is going normally. Mm-hmm. I'd tell you about classes, but you'd just be bored. Except for the bit where Rabistan managed to dose himself with Theonauts Amortentia, and Slughorn wouldn't let him go to the hospital wing because he wasn't in any danger, and it was his own fault for being an idiot. <laughs> he says, I don't know what you've been using that poor owl for, but she was exhausted by the time she showed up here, so mm-hmm. you know, be careful. You and I don't do half the things you would anyway. <laughs> Love, Andy. Yes, Megara, Bella's owl, is still very annoyed that she's been woken up to send this letter back. But she takes it anyway. Poor thing. And Ted hasn't been around all day. So she goes to Marlene and says, I need to get into the Ravenclaw common room. <laughs> Marlene's like, uh, it doesn't work like that. That's why we have passwords. And she says, I need to get in there and talk to Ted. Marlene gives this her the password. This was before we knew it wasn't the password, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. Otherwise, she probably could answer a riddle. She probably could. Yeah. So, with the riddle, if nobody gets it, nobody gets in, so you're just kind of all standing there going, uh, what do we do now? Apparently. Maybe he'll give you a different riddle after you can't get the first one after a while. I don't know. But she sneaks in, and she sneaks up the boy's staircase, and she runs into a Ravenclaw, a couple of Ravenclaw younger boys, and they're like, what are you doing here? And she says, get lost. And they're like, okay. <laughs> they scram. Yeah. And he also wants to know what she's doing there. Mm-hmm. I got Marlene to tell me. And if you're going to hide from me, you should do it where my best friend can't give you up. <laughs> <laughs> and his roommates aren't around. And she says, you know, we should work out a schedule. So we alternate on our big ex- existential crises and don't do them at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he says that he he needed to think and he can't always think around her. so. That was why. It wasn't that he was upset with her or anything. He just needed to be able to. Yeah, he needed some time to himself. And she points out, you know, even if back and not take the Hogwarts letter, even knowing all this stuff now, do you think you would? He says, no, probably not, because then it would be weird. Mm -hmm. Because he knew there was something he was missing at the time, and that letter was a big relief for explaining all of that. And she says, why don't you just tell them what's going on? He says, right, yeah. Hi, Mama Dad, just letting you know there's another who wants to kill you, and you won't see him coming. There's nothing you can do about it, but have fun looking over your shoulders and jumping at every noise for the rest of your lives. <laughs> she says, you might phrase that just a little differently, but, you know, sometimes it's better to let them mm-hmm. know. They probably would want to know. and So he's he's thinking about it. Well, just and like Dean didn't tell his parents about about 
I haven't, as far as they know, there haven't been any deaths at Hogwarts, and I intend to keep it that way. Yeah. Which makes me wonder, did they tell people about what happened to Myrtle? Who knows? They had to. I mean, the students knew. Yeah. I mean, the muggle boys that come in later, they were, were they like, oh, by the way. Mm, I doubt that. It's just one of those things where you just find out about Myrtle as you go along. Yeah. One of his roommates comes in because Flitwick wants to know where, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, And she's like, it's okay. We're, and he's like, no, I, none of my business. And she tells Ted, did I get you in trouble? And she says, he says, nope, I think you've solidified my reputation for the rest of my time at Hogwarts. Ted the stud. Oh, she's good for something. Mm-hmm. Except now all hell is going to break loose if they realize who she was, well, which they all do. To know, yeah. So Ted worries about his family. Mm-hmm. But Understandably enough. He's trying to come up with ideas from invisibility cloaks to port keys and what they could do in case something happens. And so she tries to be encouraging. And it makes him talk more about muckle things to her. So she gets to learn more about muggles, which is kind of cool. Yeah. She's kind of enjoying that a little bit. Yeah. And she's helping Annabelle with her studies. <laughs> well, she's walking with Annabelle and... Is it Adrian? I think so. Where are we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever the... Um, however you pronounce the feminine version of Adrian. Adrian. Just for your edification... Adrian is still pronounced Adrian, regardless of whether it's masculine or feminine. When Ted snags her from behind to return her notes and ends up snogging her. Yeah. And then they get caught. <clears throat> yeah. And it turns him. out to be um, Kayleen Dresden, who fortunately is not going to tell on them. No. Because he, he likes, likes her. her. <laughs> yeah. Aww. And it's a he's got a note from Slither from uh, Slughorn to deliver. <laughs> from Slither, and I would be very impressed. <laughs> the head of Slytherin, Mr. Slughorn, wants her to meet in his office at four thirty because he's just wanting to make sure that she does actually want to continue with being a healer because he'll need to have the application in mm -hmm. soon. Yeah, and he tells her that she's pretty much a shoe-in as long as she does well on her newts. Mm-hmm. And she says that she hasn't told her parents yet. She wants to tell them when it's all done because she doesn't want him to accidentally spill the beans. Yeah. No. He says, oh, times have changed. There was a day no pure-blood woman would be allowed to take a job, even one as suspected of a healer. And she's like, um, well, <laughs> that's still how my parents think. But she doesn't quite tell him that, but mm -hmm. she it's says she wants to surprise them so that he won't just sort of bring it up at some point. And I think he's smart enough to figure that out. Yes, He'll probably. He'll know. And then we have a, a small scene where... She happens to come across a piece of mail that Narcissa is in the middle of writing because she's gone to check her fifth year potions book. Is mm -hmm. there something that she knows she, she studied in fifth year, but she can't quite remember? She goes to find and asks uh, Patsy Parkinson where Narcissa's book is. and There's a piece of parchment next to it. 
and it's a letter to Bella talking about how she's worried that Andy is staying with that boy still. Of course. And should we tell mother and father about it? No, because... I was thinking she was going to, like, vanish that paragraph or something, but I guess if Narcissa was still in the middle of writing it, she'd notice. She just leaves it be. She does. And we're on to chapter 28, Revelation. Revelation. Which probably means her parents are going to find out. <laughs> Cue mass bullshit. Yeah. So she's, she says she prefers balls to dinner parties because balls you can just dance with people and you can get away from them. Oh, there's to. someone over there I need to talk to. I need to Bye. talk to. But dinner parties, <laughs> you're sort of stuck next to the person that you're stuck next to. So... And here she is, stuck next to Marius, and her mother stays for long enough to make sure that they're actually talking. And then, fortunately, now is this where she does end up talking to him and he's not so bad, or is that later? I think it's here, where she starts talking to him. Yes. It's uh, strained, but they talk a little bit. Uh, no, it's it's when they meet at another ball later. Because they're this. having... I'm so sorry. I'm really not this boring. This is damnably awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your mom was expecting me to say the usual things. Yes, mother had to wander away to scold the house elf. Then she kind of feels bad because he is kind of a decent guy. She doesn't like him as much as Ted. Yeah. If Ted hadn't been in the picture, he would have probably been a perfect match for her. But mm-hmm. Ted is in the picture, so it does not work. And this is an interesting bit here that uh, our narrator, Andromeda, mentions that, you know, this is something she's never really been able to explain to people and make them believe that there are actually Slytherins who are decent people, mm-hmm. just that he happens to have grown up in this pure blood milieu, and has, that's how he's been trained his whole life, but other than that, he's a good guy. Yeah. She kind of... He didn't run into someone... Like she did, that made him open his mind more, kind of. Yeah, because if she hadn't become friendly with Ted, she would probably have bought into this whole purebred rhetoric. But mm-hmm. because I mean, she, she still wouldn't have done, gone along with some of the things that Bella ends up doing, as as uh, she says a little bit later, she probably would have ended up more like Narcissa. <laughs> Speaking of Narcissa, she's in. Pouting because Lucius is flirting with some bitch. Well, actually, the bitch is throwing herself at Lucius. Yes, well, she's always fancied Lucius, and she's always thrown herself at him. And, you know, sulking in here is not really showing Lucius how much more grown up you are. I'm not sulking. (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) Yes, you are. I saw that you were talking to Marius, and she said, Mm -hmm. well... Mother was pushing me into his face, so I didn't have a whole lot of choice. And Narcissa says, well, he isn't that bad. And he says, yeah, that's what I want for the rest of my life. Ah, not that bad. Not that bad. Yeah, Narcissa wants to know if he's, she's still in love with that boy. Marius? Of course not. I only just met him. Not him. That mudblood boy. And she tells Narcissa not to use yeah. those words. And she admits it and says, yeah, I'm in love with him. Mm-hmm. And Narcissa just doesn't get it. How could this possibly happen? Like it's not like I planned it. I didn't decide I'm going to make my life as complicated as possible. Mm-hmm. It's just that's how he makes her feel. Yeah. And then Narcissa and says, Narcissa admits that um, 
she wrote to Bella and told her. Mm-hmm. And Andy admits that she saw the letter. It's, you know, what's she going to do? Yep. And, you know, you're going to have to marry this, the Marius guy, because mom and dad aren't going to let you be with a mudblood. Uh-huh. And she says that's the last real conversation she ever had with Narcissa. That's so sad. It is kind of sad. So I totally got this fic mixed up with a different fic that I had read, and I was waiting for the end to be very different than it was. Which fic? I don't remember. But it was one where there she's home for dinner with the family, and she's supposed to meet Ted, and Bella knows that he's coming. And Bella tries to stop her, and I think she ends up like throwing flu powder in in Bella's face to give her enough time to get out the door or something like that. Oh, boy. So I was waiting for that, and that totally did not happen. Where did you see that one? It's one I've read. It must have been a while back. I don't remember much else about it, just that part. So I'll have to go searching and see if I can figure it out. Well, let me know, because that sounds fascinating. It was a good story. But anyhow, Bella is coming home in two days. Oh, crap. Yep. So, Andy stays to her room, and her parents, they're getting ready to travel. And they've decided that since two of the girls are of age, that the three girls can stay home alone. (laughs) And I love it. It says, now most parents would have a whole list of things to do and not to do. My parents just said behave. We knew what that meant. <laughs> yeah. The lack of... Bella super- does come home. And she she ends up being able to get away from the house and meet Ted, which is kind of mm-hmm. fun. They went into London to see the Christmas tree at, at Trafalgar? Is that how you say Trafalgar that? Square, Trafalgar yes. Square, yeah. That'd be pretty. Mm-hmm. And Andy's <laughs> kind of impressed. You know, they don't really do Christmas, but all the lights and things are fun. Yeah, but I love what she says that he says, the best part is the presents. Of course, it's a great racket for the parents because they can say, Santa will only bring presents if you're good. And if they don't behave and he trails off ominously and she says, he kills them? <laughs> what kind of bloodthirsty <laughs> mythical figures do you have? He looks around to make sure no little kids have heard. He's like, what? It's terrible. Yeah. Mm, seems like the obvious answer to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And he invites her to come to his place for Christmas. Yeah. And meet his parents and the rest of his family. And she and decides she's, she's going to do it. She's going to try. But he gives her a kiss when he drops her off because she's meeting Marlene. And Mrs. Lestrange Mrs. happens to be yes. nearby. Oh, God. Our, our These two are stupid. Gossip. I know. He should have been thinking better. But. She should have been for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. And she tries to stop her, but there's no way to stop her. So mm. the next night is a party, another ball. And she tries to <laughs> and they're say going she's to be sick, there. but Bella won't have anything to do. Let her get away with it. So she has to go. And they arrive a little bit late. And of course, Marius comes to say hi. Mm-hmm. Because of course, uh, her mother arranged with, you know, everybody else to throw them together as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And they dance and they have a conversation and it's okay. And then she decides she's has to go and talk to Hadrian, who's <clears throat> kind of trying to escape Selina Pritchard, apparently, mm-hmm. or Serena, and then Andromeda. And then Bella wants to talk to her. Mm-hmm. 
in private, because she's heard some news from Mrs. Lestrange. Of course. And she almost plays it off, because, you know, oh, she'd say anything. You said she was such a gossip yourself. But then Reggie comes in and says, no, he, he has been. Somebody needs I've to seen her around him. with him. She's trying to do all the things that Sirius didn't do. Bella calls her a whore and tries to slap her, and Andy stops her hand. Don't touch me. And they have an argument, because Bella cannot understand why she's doing this, and it ends with her pinning Andy against the wall and saying, she, he can't have you, you're mine. Yeah. Narcissa trying to step in and say, hey, let's not get out of hand here. And she, and Bella whispers that she hates her. Mm-hmm. And so, because Andy kind of dares her to do something to her, mm-hmm. and she won't. So Andy leaves, and all she has is her high heels and dress robes. Yeah, she goes she to Andy's. Apparated straight or to she Ted's. goes to Ted's. And he's alone in the house right now. Because, Andy, you um, should have thought this out and pulled a Hermione. <laughs> what? How do yeah, you mean? Had a beaded bag with yes. all the supplies in it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, well, Andy wasn't... She was kind of trying deliberately not to think about how all this would go. Yeah, but she so knew it was coming. She wasn't exactly coming up with a go bag. Head desk, head desk, head desk. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So she's in the guest room because she kind of passed out. She was been asleep for twelve hours. Yeah. And apparently all his family is up in Newcastle at the moment. Except for his sister who's probably off at uni. Yep. She's gonna come back the next day. So she's got a headache. She says a crying jag'll do that. And she slept like, yeah, twelve hours and stuff and she mm-hmm. she decides she wants some breakfast. And he says he and knows how to make to, toast. <laughs> and she thanks Here's him for that is Ron. being able to take him in. Then she says, I love you, which is the first time she's said it. Yeah. And then they decide to make use of an empty house in a handy bedroom. Of course. Yeah. And then after and, she wakes up, then she tells him she's really hungry. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, hmm, by this point in my dream, something weird has happened. So obviously it's not a dream. <laughs> yeah. Normally the hippogriffs start talking and she's like, well, what did they say to you? We discuss <laughs> philosophy. You have yep. very bizarre fantasies. Usually by now you've turned into a talking hippogriff or the math teacher I had when I was nine. <laughs> the one downside to all this is now I'm really hungry. So they go and find something to eat. And he says, you know, you should probably go stay with Sirius because... My parents probably not want to come home and find you here. Mm. Awkward. I'm questions. sure he'd be happy to have you. Yeah. And she says, ooh, I'll be the envy of every girl at Hogwarts. Living with Sirius Black. Living yeah. with Sirius Black. Ooh. <laughs> Which turns out to be kind of the case. Mm-hmm. It's a fun bit in the next chapter, I think. Yeah. And Sirius wants to know, why didn't you tell me you were planning this? Uh, because I wasn't. <laughs> I, oh, yes, I decided that I really wouldn't need anything but a 500 daily set of dress robes and some really uncomfortable shoes. <laughs> yes, Mrs. Lestrange told Bella I was still seeing Ted, and it all sort of exploded. Bellatrix explode? Surely not. <laughs> yeah. So he says, it's fine, you can stay here. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Lily and James come for Christmas Eve and bring cookies. Lily thinks it's a tragedy he's not going to be with family on Christmas. Mm. Well, he's got some now. Yep. 
And she turns his kitchen upside down and mm -hmm. makes them treats. Are they going and... out? I don't really know. <laughs> oh, they started acting all couple-ish, but whenever I ask James about it, he tells me to shut up. My best guess is she decided they're going out, and he's afraid to say anything for fear she'll start hating him again. <laughs> That's about right. So she and... says she's going to go meet Ted's family for Christmas, and James is like, ooh, meeting the family. And Lily says, hmm, what are you going to wear? Uh... Can't wear the dress robes. You'll probably, they're muggles, so. Well, you're about my size, so she comes back with all the things that she's gotten and can't really wear because of they clash with her red hair. Mm -hmm. Or that's her excuse anyway. I'm sure she brought some nice things just because. Eventually, they do find a nice dress. Which Andy thinks is very short. Yeah. Yes. But they wear things shorter in the muggle world. Yeah. Hey. And it's red and it worked for the holiday, apparently. So I love this next part. So she <laughs> she knocks on the door and this little girl answers the door. Hi, what's your name? My name's Andy. What's yours? I'm Emily. How old are you? 17. How old are you? Five. Where do you live? Oh, these questions are getting complicated. I so live in London. Go, Where do you live? Manchester. Do you go to school? Yes, in Scotland. Yes, in Scotland. Me too. Me I know how to read. That's brilliant. So finally, my cousin goes to school in Scotland. Do you know him? Yes. Do you know where he is? And she has come actually outside and closed the door. And then finally, Mrs. Tonks comes out and rescues her and says, you have to excuse Emily. Her parents have told her not to open the door for strangers. So now she interviews everybody so they won't be a stranger. Yeah. But the problem is she's opening the door in the first place. And going out on the stoop. I don't think she actually her. came out. She just didn't open it very far. Oh, okay. I don't know. It's hard to say. A Andy's been left out on the stoop at any rate. I'm not sure whether Emily came out all the way or not. Well, but... somebody else opens the door from behind her. Emily, dear, who are you talking to? So it sounds like she kind of came out. I don't know. I'm picturing her sort of in the crack between mm -hmm. the door and the door jam, and then someone opens it further or something. Yeah, but that makes sense. In any case. Ted's mom knows who she is and uh, tries to get her to call her Catherine, but she keeps calling her ma'am because that's just what you do. It's very ingrained. And she's not to mention magic to the rest of the people because um, well, only the not. immediate family know about it. And there's lots of aunts and uncles. I still uh, would like to know how that it is. that's all explained. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and he says, he told her when he invited her that if she it'd shows be, up... It'd be good for someone to... It's them to meet street... somebody from his mysterious school. Yeah. Right. Good street cred. Yeah. And uh, uh, he meets Uncle Rich and uh, says, ah, so the mysterious school does exist. Mm. We have wondered. But they managed to come up with answers that work without actually mentioning magic. No. You know. No. She says her parents are in France and she's staying with relatives in London, which... Sirius is a relative, yeah, <laughs> not an older relative, but, you know. Uh, and then and she she's gets... kind of confused by the dinner because it's very loud and has tired children at it. And it's just very different from the, the formal dinner parties that she's been used to. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah. They would never have let the children be there. Mm -hmm. Not that late, anyway. They'd probably show up and curtsy to all the adults and then go back <laughs> off to the nursery or somewhere. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a scene out of... <laughs> Sound of music. <laughs> yes. I'd like to stay and taste my fresh champagne. Yes? No. 
Yeah. That was worth a try. Of course, how else do you get through the boring things anyway? So then Chris comes in, and Chris is the one that's been giving Ted a bad time about his school, that it's, you know, made up and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. he wants to know how much Teddy paid her to pretend to be his girlfriend. <laughs> She's far too cute for him. Of course. And she says, oh, I'm really just using him for the sex. (laughs) (laughs) And he and Ted both enjoy that. And the rest of them can't hear her, of course. She's being discreet. Very careful not to. And then she goes in and helps Teddy's mom do the the dishes. With the dishes, yeah. And it's kind of interesting to her, the whole doing dishes by hand thing. Mm -hmm. And it's actually kind of pleasant. It sure can be. Mm Mm-hmm. They have a bit of a conversation about, you know, they were worried about letting Ted go to this strange school and how he's kind of disappearing into that world. And now she's taking him away from them. And she's kind of not sure what to say about that. Honestly, what do you expect? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and and the parents kind of get that, too. Yeah. She says, you know, he seems very happy right now. And he's serious. If he's serious about this, then you must be worth it. And just promise to come visit because, regardless of what your family's like, Ted still has a family, and so do you. And Sirius is trying to follow a recipe that Lily has left (laughs) and not doing so well. No, I don't think it's supposed to be smoking like that. Um, It's a little um, on fire. Damn! She's wondering if blacks have an anti-cooking gene, because she doesn't do it better. I think it's more the fact that they've been raised with house elves doing everything and never Mm -hmm. had to try and do any of this stuff. Yep. And then Bella's owl shows up. And it's actually from Narcissa. And she says, she's apparently sent her to Sirius, because she says it seems likely that she's there but Megara would find her anyway. She wants to know if she's even thinking about the future. You can't just go around with improper boys and have people let it go by, and mother and father will let you come home if you admit you were wrong and it was all a mis- misunderstanding. And she's uh-huh. going, ah, no. Not really likely. <laughs> and Sirius says, for what it's worth, I think you made the right choice. Mm-hmm. It's true. But Narcissa does have a point, you know, if uh, she goes away with Ted and then he gets killed or something, then she'll really be in trouble. But Sirius says, well, you can't really worry about that because then you'd, if you tried to go back and play by the rules, you'd just be miserable. And then we have another scene with Andy and Ted. And Andy doesn't really want to go back to school because she's not sure how Slytherin is going to react to this. Badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he says, a lot of people are are afraid of you. And she's like, me? And he says, yes, you're scary. You scare me. She's like, no. But it's well, only one we can one make term. it through one term. Yeah. And she, he asked her if she's thought about the future at all. And she says, yeah, I want to do something. I want a job and I want a small house. So it's not a big one with lots of cold, empty rooms. Everything should be warm and in use. And there should be a nice garden and, you know. Maybe some kids, four or so. Four would be good. (laughs) This is before she's had one of them. Mm -hmm. And he starts to ask her a question, and his mother comes in, or 
Michael, Michael. comes in and uh, interrupts them. Wants to know. What you guys looking at? Which star is your star, Nothing. <laughs> and so she starts giving him an astronomy lesson, which was fun, but she does kind of wonder what Ted was going to say. And then we have chapter 30, which is called Whispers, and starts with some whispering, because yeah. Sirius has apparated on top of Andy, apparently. <laughs> yeah, but, and she's worried about what it's going to be like on the train, but so far, everybody's pretty much ignoring her. Yeah. And she starts having a bit of a conversation with Kaylee, and her mother, his mother comes over and says, I do not want you talking to that girl. Slytherin used to have standards. <laughs> you stay so, away from yeah, her. Things aren't going quite as well. Um, and then Bella comes up, tells her basically what Narcissa had said. You know, if you stop being so stubborn, father will let this go. And Ted says a couple things and she just sort of glares at him and then runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, no, this is Narcissa again. That makes more sense. Because, yeah, Bella's because Bella's not Bella, there. Bella is yeah, she's not in school. Narcissa and Reggie have come on their own. So. Because mother doesn't want to face the the stairs and father wouldn't be bothered. And so Andy skips dinner and just stays in her room. Then when her roommates got back, she can hear them whispering through the curtains. Mm-hmm. And Shannon apparently thinks it's romantic to mm-hmm. you know, be so in love with someone you give up everything. And... She's waiting for her when she gets up the next morning because she decides to walk to breakfast with her. Yeah, she's going to walk her. Just make sure that things aren't so bad. I guess we're really friends after all. Mm -hmm. And there's all the whispers about, oh, did you hear what happened with Andromeda? But it wasn't actually as bad as she was worried about because everybody's still piled with homework and there's all sorts of other rumors and things around the school as well. A sixth-year Ravenclaw apparently was sneaking out to meet a 40-year-old who was part of the Wizengamot. Yeah, that's bad. Mm -hmm. There were a couple of uh, Hufflepuff boys who were in a compromising position, and Peeves caught them. So, yeah, lots of things going on. And it wasn't quite as... People weren't quite as distracted in Slytherin, but the younger students aren't going to pick on a seventh-year, and the seventh-years are all swamped with newts. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they don't get to see each other very much because they're both real busy studying and stuff. And Ted catches her in the library and kisses her, and she says, "What's that for?" And he said, "Cause I never see you." And she said, "He's she he said, I see you every day in class." And she he says, "I never see you alone." So they're having a little bit of flirting, and then Rabastan comes upon them, mm-hmm. and and she threatens him to make him leave them alone. And he says, you know, enjoy it while you can. So something's can going on with purring. the strange voice. <laughs> She's loud. I'm sorry. It's okay. It took me a second to realize what it was. Hmm, I can't hear it. She was sitting up on my shoulder and I've got her back down on the bed because I'm afraid she'll fall. Mm-hmm. I've watched an interesting little video about um, cat communication the other day. Mm-hmm. It says, you know, some some misconceptions we have purring isn't necessarily a sign of happiness although it is apparently they also purr when they're injured or something so it's more of a Mm. stay here i need you to pay attention to me Mm -hmm. kind of thing the guy making the video compared to the rubbing your legs when you get home to the sort of viking chest bump thing 
<laughs> Hail, good friend, we meet again. <laughs> and this bit I didn't know, but apparently they don't meow much to each other. It's no. sort of a oh, I remember hearing thing. that. Mm-hmm. And they also apparently each cat will work out their own language for the humans that they interact with. So you are the one who will understand what your cat is meowing about and someone else might not. That makes sense. They don't know what the different meows mean. So just tells you it's how a fun smart little video, actually. Thank you. They have little, it's a little animated witch and her cat. Was it a talking cat named Salem? Anyway, she's going off for a Hogsmeade weekend and someone has come up and given her a note that says meet in the Hogshead at 2 p.m. And it was given to him by a woman wearing a cloak. And I think we all can she guess said what that is. Find, she'd give him a galleon to find Andromeda Black and give her the note. Yeah. And she decides she's going to go see Bella because it's probably her. <laughs> Ted's yeah. like, why are you doing this? This is dangerous. And she says, I have to go. And he doesn't understand. Why are you at her I don't beck either. call? Yeah. If she wanted to hurt me, she would have that night I left. Mm-hmm. If she wants to talk, I have to try at least. He yeah. doesn't get it, but she heads off anyway. Yeah, she says, I don't trust her, but I can't give up on her. And she goes into the hog's head, which is a dive. Mm-hmm. Bella's sitting in the shadowy corner and has her cloak hood up and everything. Going, yeah. it's, it's really it's necessary. Best and Bella that, says it's, yeah. Best that no one or, knows where that I was here today. And she says, I won't let you throw your life away. And Andy says, I'm taking the life I want. Yeah. What can he give you? Do you really think he loves you? He just wants you for status, which is complete BS. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So they basically argue again. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time Andy sees her dark mark. Yeah. She's got it out of its glamours or whatever. No, she saw it once. Didn't she nope. when they were home? No, this is the first time that she's seen it. It mentions that, you know... She found out later that that's when she got it. it was in the summer. Oh, oh, she she was saying she was surprised she hadn't seen it. Okay, that's what Mm -hmm. it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like Bella stays covered up all that much, but she never saw the mark until this night, or this afternoon. Yeah, and it starts hurting, and she doesn't quite understand what that means, but we know what it means. It means that Bella's being called. So she has to go. She says, I will kill him. If I have to, to protect you. And off she goes. And then. And it takes her a while to find Ted because he's mad at her. Mm-hmm. So that night he finds him studying at the Ravenclaw table with Marlene and Sirius. And Marlene says, oh, look at the time. Sirius, we have to go do the thing. What thing? I don't know anything the about thing a thing. That is us that is elsewhere. <laughs> oh, right, that, thing. that thing. Yeah, yeah, I'll go. Uh, very subtle. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, well, Gryffindors don't do subtle. No shit. <laughs> Slytherins, they know how to do subtle, but Gryffindors, not so much. Apparently not Ravenclaws either. Ted says, it's not that I'm mad at you, it's just I hate what she does to you and that you let her treat you this way. Mm-hmm. And Andy says, yeah, well, it's it's not going to go away. I thought it would when I left, but I can't just... Naive of her. And then we find out that there were attacks in Hogsmeade. And she knows that... With a dark mark over the house. And Bella was the one who did it. But there's yeah. no way to prove that, so... She and Narcissa have a moment where they both realize what's happening and are slightly horrified. That's Bella. about all it goes. 
And she realizes she's never going to make up with Bella. It's just things have gone too far in two directions now. And then she makes it back to the common room and she hears Narcissa and Reggie talking. And Reg also knows something's happened and she know he knows that Bella was there in Hogsmeade. Narcissa says, we shouldn't be talking about this because it's... Reggie's basically campaigning to join the Death Eaters at mm-hmm. this point because he yeah. wants to show that he can do everything that Sirius didn't do. Yeah, he wants to, to take on the family name and and try to redeem it. Ted is concerned about Andy because she's not sleeping. She's having nightmares. And she's really not looking very good at this point. No. And he says, all right, we're not going to dinner. We're going outside because you need a break. And they walk in the sunset, and it's kind of nice, actually. And she tells him that Slughorn says that he heard from someone who knows at St. Mungo's that she's in, but they have to wait till Newt's, and they're not actually saying anything yet. Mm-hmm. And he's all excited for her. So and he says, you said you wanted a job and a house. And she said a small house. Yeah, a small house and a garden. And I know it's complicated and stuff, but mm-hmm. will you marry he me? He gets to finish the conversation he was going to have. Before Michael interrupted them. Mm-hmm. And he, she sort of sits there stunned for a bit. And then she says, yes, I want to marry you. In fact, I want to marry you right marry now. now. <laughs> <laughs> she's like um really uh that's a little crazy but yeah i don't care about school let's just do it she says i'm she, afraid she to that get my it done father will before before she has to go home because she's pretty sure that okay. father will take her out of school and make her go home instead of to Sirius's mm-hmm. and yeah and lock her in the dungeon or something and he's like you have a dungeon <laughs> no but her in-laws do hmm <laughs> He says, all right, we'll do it soon. Not right now, but soon. And we move on to 31, which is the last chapter and is called Epic. And she's worried that this chapter is anticlimactic, but I think it's pretty good, actually. No, it is good. We start with Andy having a dream again. Mm-hmm. She's having this terrible nightmare about Bella stabbing and doing or doing I'm mixing that up with critical hit today. I listened to both of them right after each other. So, yes, Bella is using the uh, Avada Kedavra curse, not stabbing people. I don't know where that that's yeah bad. Well, she does know how to throw a knife. Uh. <laughs> it's because in critical hit, they're dealing with the stabbingdons. Yes, the stabbingdons. <laughs> so she wakes up, and her roommate wants to know what's wrong, or no, Ted no, wants Ted. to know what's wrong. And she realizes that they've fallen asleep. She's, she's fallen asleep in his bed with a pile of transfiguration notes. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they were just going over homework and couldn't stay awake any longer. It's half past two. And she says, I just had a nightmare. I'm fine. I should go. And he's like, no, stay. Mm-hmm. So she does. You do have a few hours after all. So they get to cuddle for a while at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Ted has a secret. And Marlene wants to know it. <laughs> and she's going to find out. She's going to wear him down. Yeah, because he's easier to break than Andy. Mm-hmm. And it's the they're planning to go get married is the yeah. thing. And he's not telling Marlene about it. And then there's a bit of a conversa- uh, con- confrontation with Rabistan, who's been walking behind them. And apparently he must have said something about Andy, which 
she doesn't hear. Mm-hmm. But Ted has had enough. And he just goes straight out and curses him. Yeah. And they have a, you know, impedimenta, expelliarmus, reducto, sectum sempra. And all Andy sees is blood. But Ted isn't hit too bad. And he nails him up against the wall. I love that. And she tries to go help, but Sirius holds her back, says. He says, sometimes you just have to let Ted look after himself. And that's been coming for a while. Besides, I've been wanting to slam Lestrange into a wall for about five years now. (laughs) And McGonagall comes out and sends him to the hospital wing. And Andy follows. Mm -hmm. She and Dumbledore are talking inside, describing what happened. And then they notice that she's there and I presume you're here to check on Mr. Tonks. And he says, yes, you're allowed to go Mm -hmm. in. But when Madame Pomfrey tells you to leave, you leave. Mm -hmm. That goes without saying. Yeah. So she goes in and he's sitting on the edge of the bed. He's not even in bed. He's fine. He just had a cut. Yeah. And he keeps tugging at his bandage and she tells him not to because it's itchy. Yeah. And she's a little upset with him and he says, you know, I don't like fighting and I don't start fights, but I will only take so much. And he has been pushing at me and pushing at me and it was time to push back. And she's like, if anything ever happened to you. And then, of course, Madame Pomfrey catches him and kicks her out. But Dumbledore said, um, yeah, out, out, out. And then Rava stands in the next bed and he tells her they've made dangerous enemies. Mm-hmm. Because he always lives in a soap opera. Yes. Uh, Ooh, but it's true. <laughs> well, yes, also. And things might have been more difficult for her in Slytherin, but finals start the next day and nobody's paying any Everybody's attention Everybody's busy. <laughs> Shannon's drilling her on potions because she I knows love how my even heart. through all of this, newts matter. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And breakfast is pretty subdued because everybody's going, <laughs> exams. <laughs> 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 And Marlene is trying to do last-minute studying, and Ted is telling her there's 30 minutes to go. It's not going to make a difference, yeah, just which relax. is pretty much true. I don't know, though. I My last exam for grad school, I was somehow able to put all of the important bits of what I'd learned into my short-term memory. Well, that's good. And mm-hmm. write it all down on the back of my exam paper. And then the second I was done writing it, it was gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, partly, I think it also depends on how much sleep you've had. Mm-hmm. I had one exam in university in first year or second year where I decided to stay up to study and wound up staying up all night. And then the exam was at eight. And I did not do very well on that one because you cannot remember things when you are falling asleep. So I would have done better to not take the extra few hours of studying and actually sleep. Anyway, I made it through. Yay! I think I got a 60-something or whatever on that one. But. Yeah. So they, uh, they're they studying. <laughs> they're actually studying, not uh, the version of studying that's Sirius' favorite euphemism. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's upset because this is her worst class. Arithmetic, and he says, Most people would love your grades, even if it is your worst class, so don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And she's worried about 
finishing on Monday because then the term ends on Friday. Mm-hmm. Or that's that's what he and says. They're supposedly getting married, and she says, "I don't want to push you. If you're not ready for this, I can wait." And he's like, and he says, no. "I'm. It's fine. I want to do it, but we need to work out. There are a few things that we need to decide before mm-hmm. we." There are some details about, you know, getting out of the castle and things. They eventually, So they have a, a talk about that for a while. And she does pretty well on the Earthmancy exam the mm-hmm. next day. She at least manages to pass. And the only exam left was mo- on Monday's potions. And Shannon, who had been quizzing her the day before, suddenly lost all confidence. I'm going to fail. And she, yeah. of course, has done before anybody else. And Andy thinks she did pretty well as well. And Sirius and James let out war whoops when they're finished, even though mm-hmm. it's not time yet. Yeah. And then they're finished. And it's been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. They're like, hmm. Oh, we're done with exams. We have all sorts of free time. What should we do? Gee, I wonder. Mm-hmm. Let's get married. Okay. <laughs> all right. And so she writes letters to Narcissa and Reg and Bella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She and leaves. They sneak out the next night. Well, and I, I love the the one she writes to Bella where she says, I'll always love you and I'll always be your sister whether you want me to or not. But I take responsibility for my own choices. And if you come after him or you come after our children, I will do whatever I have to. You know me better than anyone. Don't underestimate me. It's not the end. She succeeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she sneaks out. And yeah. And Shannon wakes up as she's leaving. And she just says, good luck. And mm-hmm. keep in touch. And then she gets she up. She leaves the two letters in Narcissa's bed. For her and Reg. Her kids. Thankfully, she doesn't wake up. And then... She heads over to Gryffindor because she has decided she wants to tell Sirius. Yeah, she goes to the Allery and sends Bella's by Owl so that she'll have time to get away. Mm-hmm. She could have sent it through Sissy, but she didn't want Sissy to have to deal with the fallout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And fortunately, James and Lily are also out wandering the corridors, so there's mm-hmm. a way for her to get into Gryffindor. Yeah, boy, they let people into the common rooms a whole lot in this fic, which well, is cool. twice. It's more than we see. Usually. Mm-hmm. So in <laughs> Sirius comes down barely dressed and she thinks mm-hmm. to herself, Oh boy, the girls around here would be just thrilled to death. Oh yes. That's the other bit that I missed a couple chapters ago. Is that when she was mentioning how the reaction wasn't quite as bad as she'd thought. Mm-hmm. A lot of the girls were just asking her, So does Sirius like wander around naked ever? <laughs> <laughs> They're more interested in the fact that she was living with him than that she ran away from home. Yeah. Uh, you know, high school priorities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so they have their conversation about this. Yeah. And she says, you know, I'm doing it now because Narcissa said something that made me think father might try and stop me. Well, of course. And don't they need witnesses? Yeah, I don't get know. Witnesses. Yeah. Depends on where they're going. Yeah, they don't mention anything about those details stops before that mm-hmm. and he he tells her to take some time for themselves and she tells him he's a good man yeah to be good yeah he he tells her to be good and she says shouldn't i tell you that and she says what makes you like i'd listen touche 
Ah, and then then she goes to the Ellery. I got that mixed up. Yeah, and sends the letter, letter off to Bella just to give them the most lead time. And then she meets Ted, and they're ready to go. Off they go. Off past the grounds, and then the world is theirs. Mm-hmm. And that's where it ends. Mm-hmm. Not with her having to sneak out the window. <laughs> and deep down, Slytherin does have a few other one-shots that... She's got a lot of one-shots, and many of them are around the Black family. Uh, wow, Mooney, that math is getting loud. Sorry! <laughs> it wasn't too loud at first, but now it's really loud. It's not that loud to me, maybe because I've got headphones on. Hmm. It just happened when, I, as I was saying the last sentence, mm-hmm. it suddenly jumped. She has a number of uh, one shots that are about. A lot of them are about the Tonks family or the Black family or things like that. Mm-hmm. And like the one, one where Dora alerts a new word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that one's fun. Yeah, uh, just a word. And there's similarities, which is musing of things we've talked about with Sirius and Bella. Interfering is another one that's during, or no, it's it's when the breakout happens later on, Ted and Andy talking about it. Betrayal is one that just about would fit in, except that in this version, and it looks like it's something that she wrote while she was writing this other one, except in this version it's Sirius hand delivers the letter instead of it being owled. That serious was serious has some balls to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's some. There's one called "Guess Who's Coming to Dinner," which is fun. Which <laughs> does not fit into this continuity. It fits more with canon because the black sisters are older than Sirius and James. Well, they are. Mm-hmm. Well, in this version, they've been just about the same year. Oh, you mean it's the okay, no, no, okay, I get it. But in uh, in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, she's going more with the, the canon timelines. That was a great movie. <laughs> and it's three chapters about um, Nymphadora interest, introducing her beau to her parents. And uh, they're, <laughs> look, they're all, Andy's quite uh, pleased to have a chance to meet uh, Dora's young man. And uh, Ted is promising not to be mean to him, <laughs> although he's probably ready to kill him anyway. As long as he's not like the fellow with the nose ring. And then, and of course, she she says that she's she'll bring him over, and then doesn't mention who. No. And she says to Remus, "Oh, we're going to dinner." Uh, by the way, I didn't tell them it was you. <laughs> Oops. And uh, so on. So hmm, this will be nose it, ring it, werewolf. Fun. Yeah, it's all right. I like the second chapter. Actually, did make me laugh out loud a number of times, which rarely happens. I will have to read this. Yeah. There's a the whole scene on the doorstep where Oh, Remus, we weren't expecting you. Well, we'll add another <laughs> plate. We were just waiting for uh, Dora's young man and he's like, um uh, actually um <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> yeah. It takes them a while to twig to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. There's one called His Favorite Cousin, which is Andromeda coming to visit Sirius in Grimmel Place in book five. Mm, yeah, that'd be good. And there's several others that I haven't read as well that could be fun. 
a lot. Most of them are shorter. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner is probably the other longest one because it's three chapters instead of one. And there's another that's two chapters. That's her most recently updated one. That one's set five years after the war. But it's unfortunately been mostly abandoned. It's It's the last thing mentioned in profile. It says, I started this and then I moved to another country, got married, moved to another country, moved to another country, and got my dream job. I may come back someday to finish it. I like the plot that I had in mind, but it was going to be long and she doesn't have the time right now. Mm-hmm. Whenever, and that that profile has been updated in May. So you never okay. know. It could happen. As I think I mentioned in one of the earlier ones, Keen Observer itself was written before The Black Family Tree was released. Um, Mm -hmm. And she is well aware that the three sisters are not actually one year apart. And you do not need to send her emails about this. (laughs) (laughs) I've had more than enough emails on the topic. I acknowledge it several times in the fic itself. I know I do not need your timeline of the black family. Yeah, people tend to get a little carried away. Yeah, People just don't necessarily read those bits and pay attention to the Mm -hmm. part where she says... Yes, I know this already. They just come across yeah. it and go, oh, hmm, she's got that wrong. I should tell her about that. I should tell her. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the black family tree. Yeah. Apparently, I mean, judging by Sirius's comments, it's supposed to be bigger. You know, there's at least like a couple generations that that one's missing. But. Mm-hmm. And the way, the version they have in the movie is all over the entire wall. Yeah, that, that drove me crazy. I'm like, this is ugly. <laughs> Because if the thing in the black house goes back to the fracking Middle Ages, that's got to be a heck of a treat. Yeah, big. Yeah. But, well, that is where this story goes to anyway. And it was fun. Well, it was. Mostly. Well. It, it's, there. you know, it's tough to get through at times because it's tough for Andromeda. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. you can't always call it fun, but it was very well written. Yes, it yes. was. And... It's really neat to see things from Andy's point of view and to to just actually, even if it wasn't Andy's point of view, but just to see the black oh, sisters and the dynamic and everything. It, mm-hmm. It's really well done mm-hmm. and it's, it's really kind and of And I fun. think even despite the fiddling with the age differences and things, she really did nail how, how they would have acted. It, it mm-hmm. seems like it fits to me. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know if it was it's because it's Bella and Sissy, but having sisters, the thought of having sisters now scares me very badly. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it would be different with your own sisters. I mean, they can be scary and they can be a lot of fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yes. One of the other ones that I read was called Deliberate Consent, and it's Bella confessing to Narcissa that she's killed Sirius. Oh, yes. Mostly she doesn't care, but that's a little bit different. Because she wasn't actually intending to kill him at the time. So it's interesting. And there's some other ones. There's one, several about Reg, apparently, which I haven't read. Anyway, lots of interesting things that Deep Down Slytherin has has written. If you enjoy the Slytherins and their interactions and little missing moment things about them, I think that's probably about all we have on the coverage of this. We've mostly said everything, and Mm -hmm. sometimes we probably say a little bit much. What are we doing next? Do you remember? I believe it's a one-shot. 
is the uh, is it the that rings a bell. Let's I think see. it's the season seven schedule. Are we doing an author interview? Mm, I haven't heard from the author about it. I'm guessing not. If you know, she's she hasn't updated actual stories. And normally since... we don't do interviews until we're editing and releasing because it's closer. That's, that's true. Well, I just meant in general. If we if we, I'm pretty sure we're going to have an author interview for an accidental animagus. Okay. Which mm-hmm. we've just started editing. So yeah, it's Lost yeah. Property. It's a really short one shot. And it's just about Petunia, Petunia and I think it's Snape. Interesting. I don't huh. think I've read that one. But it should be fun. Me neither. And after that, we're moving on to To Shape and Change, which is the, the Snape time travel. <laughs> to Snape and Change. Yeah, To Snape and Change, because <laughs> that's how I read it. <laughs> and I put it that way on everything. So I don't know if I don't know if I've read that one. I can't remember. So the lost property one is Petunia has no love for Snape, nor he for her. But unlike Vernon, he doesn't object when she wants to talk about Lily. So that should be interesting as well. Well, I hope you have enjoyed our coverage. This will bring our episode of Potterfic Weekly to a close. Mm -hmm. Um, If you'd like to interact with us let us know what you thought if we've been rambling on too much or you'd rather hear us ramble on some more about different things you can find us on facebook at the facebook group poofwa spelled p-o-u-f-w-a because that's how ryan likes to spell it (laughs) or you can come to our forum potterficforum.com we have threads up about every episode which don't get a whole lot of love except when Mooney's not in them because then she does long rambling summaries that make no sense <laughs> but are a lot of well, fun they to make read. sense if you're listening while while you're reading them yes but. that's the I thing know. You, and then you, you I go back reading, and basically I still don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> yeah you look back at the ones from three months ago and you're like did I say that what was I talking about what I don't know have a clue but there's a lot of fun stuff on the forum it's pretty quiet right now but we've got you know games and there are houses you can be sorted if you like sue will write you a nice little sorting story when that happens and we are actually are you still head of slytherin mooney or is that nope i relinquished that post a couple years back i believe that's cora ah yes i am head of hufflepuff at the moment because i got into it a few years ago and Nobody else is there's, uh, there's no other Hufflepuffs. <laughs> <laughs> but it, there are some neat things on the forum, and we have fun on the Facebook group as well. There are also the other podcasts on the Potterfic Weekly family. If you'd like to hear Sue and I talk with Ryan, one of the original Potterfic Weekly hosts, and his wife Danielle, and Bob from originally Bob from Spellcast. Spellcast, talk about random fandom things and stuff that we enjoy. Um, as we're doing it if you enjoy our half hour of uh, how's the week gone before we get into the fic you come over and listen to point of view weekly where we do that mostly every week and try and release it right after we record these days so you can get it almost live unlike these which are you know six months behind (laughs) if you enjoy other fandom things and would like to hear people you know talking about in-depth discussion about different fandom things check out the archive of the puffo exchange 
there aren't very many of them coming out as we go at the moment, but I think there are a few sort of in the editing bay that may show up as we record things. But there's a lot of them in the archive if you want to hear our episodes about Firefly or other people talking about uh, Jane Austen or Shakespeare or Wizard Rock. We have Shakespeare? I'm pretty sure there was a Shakespeare episode at some point, or at least Julia wanted to do one. Good! (laughs) Those were in the early seasons. There were more books and things. There were other TV shows. They had a whole series on Battlestar Galactica, which I'm not caught up on because I didn't catch up on the actual TV series. Same with Babylon 5. Amen. Those are fandoms that interest you. There's lots of episodes about those. Game Um, of Thrones. Yep. mm -hmm. Those were fun. Harry Potter. Let's see. As fan fiction, or Harry Potter oh, yes. canon I still is fan fiction. To those ones. Yeah. You were on those, weren't you, Mooney? I was, and, and some of the Game of Thrones ones, yep. Mm-hmm. I don't think we ever so did a Jones Girls one. We did you do can that. Find podcasts yeah. about if you enjoy our style of podcasting. The different podcasts do have slightly different styles, because I think we ramble a little bit less on Poofway Exchange and try to keep things going on the topic. On Point of View Weekly, there usually is not as much of a topic, but uh, Bob nonetheless likes to keep us moving on briskly because that's how Bob podcasts. Mm-hmm. So find which ones you enjoy and feel free to listen. I can't remember. Do we have another one? <laughs> I don't think so. That sounds about right. I, there was originally the Peon cast, but then we became the regular podcast. So, you know. Yeah, and there's there is some podcast left. If you want to uh, listen to podcasts on Wizard Rock, you can go to the main Potterfic Weekly site, and you should be able to find the podcast on the sidebar. Uh-huh. Also, if you are a fan of Spellcast and already know who Bob is, <laughs> next year, 2016, there is going to be a whole build up to the the. 10th anniversary of Spellcast, I believe it is. So there's going to be a lot of new Spellcast things coming out, if that's your thing. Of course, when you listen to this, those are probably already going to be coming out because it may be next year. (laughs) Our 10th anniversary is coming out soon, isn't it? I don't think it's the 10th. This is our 7th season, so 10th anniversary could be in a couple of years. Although our seasons do not necessarily correspond to years. That's true. Let's see. When was the first episode? The first episode was released at February 13th, 2007. All right, so two years. Okay. A year and a half. Well, there you go. We may have to plan a thing. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I think Bob we was asking do. about asking Ryan about that, and he's like, "We don't plan things. What are you talking about?" <laughs> no. Bob? no, we need to do another masterfic. Yeah, we do. That would That'd be a really be good thing for that. Yeah. Anyway, I think we have probably rambled enough. Hopefully, mm-hmm. you've enjoyed it. If you haven't, you may have skipped over all of this by now because, as a <laughs> podcast, you can do that. Uh, but. That will wrap up this episode of Potterfic Weekly. So I guess we'll say good night, everybody. Good night. Night.